Hello and welcome to the Decap Recap. My name is Lukey. I have been drunk for the last two years, and now I'm sober. And as I am sober, I'm here to reflect on art forms, society, friends I met in college, and just what the hell is going on on this, you know, third rock from the sun. Today with me, good friend of mine who I've met in college, my friend Trey. Trey, how's it going? It is going good, Lucas. Um... Let me just tell you guys, like, Lucas was the first person that actually introduced me to the whole concepts of, like, doing podcasts. Like, I remember when I was in college, like, this was, like, one of those un... It was, like, it was low-key, like, uh, an unlisted bucket list thing of, like, doing a podcast. And I remember that shit was so fun, but I hated listening to, like, my own voice because I was always just usually high out of my mind <laughs> and i just didn't i'm like like literally like like when you did that first one i don't think i ever told you this but like i'm like god damn i sound stupid as fuck i am so high <laughs> you 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 thought you sounded stupid <laughs> i sounded stupid I, I first did this just by myself in my little closet and i was whispering all the time because i was super nervous like i was just like are people gonna like this so I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Then we met each other, we talked, and it's more organic to have a person around. You feel less crazy when talking with another human being. I've learned that in the last two years. <laughs> there was actually two. Um, there was two podcasts that I actually did with you. I think one it was just me and you. Yeah. I think another person was there, but like there was there the one I do remember the most was like me, you, and um. Crap, I forgot what his name was. Uh, Marcus? Yes, I think it was Marcus, yeah. We will eventually have Marcus back on here. Uh, he's He's got a lot to tell. I feel like everyone's got a lot to tell, because, you know, no one's had a uh, normal past couple of years, and that's yeah. fine. <laughs> you know, just as long as it's not been boring for everyone. That's one thing I hope. If you, if you haven't had a good year, have a sensational year. <laughs> Sensational. 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 <laughs> That's the only thing that matters in modern America, is being sensational and not boring. I think. <laughs> doesn't matter if it's bad. doesn't matter if you're wilding out as a famous person. Um, <laughs> again, we have, we, have, we have another Kanye album coming, so you can expect some fuckery going on right now. And I'll have to say, out of... Out of any Kanye fuckery that's been going on throughout the past 10 years to 15 years of his career, this is definitely probably the omega point, in my opinion, of Kanye's insanity. Or just very good marketing trolling tactics. Or maybe a little bit of both. I think he knows how insane he is, and he he literally just pushes it to the umph degree. So let's just hope that like this next album is so like i'm like how, like can he keep doing this like every time he comes out with an album people well not every time but most times people will be like this is genius and we love kanye he's a genius he's a like and it's just like everything bad that he did it le- kind of gets swept under the rug or maybe brought up every once in a while but like he cannot be canceled apparently he probably even tries to cancel himself, but like even he's like, dang, I can't do this. I can't even cancel my own self. I I, I am not the biggest Kanye fan, uh, but 
I do want to go to one of his shows, uh, not because I think it's a good idea, but because I know it's going to be a fun time, despite all the madness around there. Like, once you start showing up with guest artists like The Baby and uh, Marilyn Manson, after their controversies, mind you, uh, then you realize, okay, anything could happen. At one point, at one point though, he's got to have uh, guest appearance uh, Travis Scott at one of his next con- uh, concerts, should he not? <laughs> I mean, I think he, I think he already has. Actually. God fucking damn it! I, uh, okay. Because him and, <laughs> and because like he kind of slightly has connect. I mean, well, t- pretty much Travis Scott is a protege of Kanye. Like Kanye, Travis Scott is highly influenced by Kanye, Kid Cudi, and other mm. people of that realm. So without Kanye, we wouldn't have Travis Scott. Okay. He, he is he is a self-proclaimed protege of Kanye because a lot of Travis Scott's music is highly reflected of Kanye's style and other styles, not just Kanye, but it's a big influence because like he has that type of curator type of presentation with his music, which is like what I mean. I'm because I'll be honest, like I do like Travis Scott's music. I have, I, and I actually went to Astroworld back in 2018 before the um, that the actual tragedy. Um, and I would have to say, like, it was a fun concert. It was, it's like, you, you have to be aware of the type of show it is. Like, in recent days, rage culture is, has, it, like, it's, it's not like what happened at Travis Scott's show is new. It's just the way that was set up was a very horrible idea. And there was people of the age that should have not been to a show like that. Because, People of my body type can handle his shows because I've gone to a lot of like moshing shows and shows where I almost kind of felt like I was about to die. But like because I signed up for it, it's just like you, you deal with it or you just go in the back. But like the way that show was set up, that was a that was a fucking disaster, man. I was actually look. I remember I saw the live footage of it. and I'm like, this looks this doesn't this just looks too cramped. Like, and plus, not that many people were supposed to be there because it's just, like, all boxed in into this one very particular area of, like, metal bars. I'm like, dude, like, this shit looks legitimately, like, wild. Like, and I've been to wild shows, but, like, this does not look fun to be at. <laughs> like, it looks cool, but it looks like, whoa. This, it looks like what it actually is trying to represent. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm not huge on the music scene, uh, just because I'm an idiot, uh, uh, but I did eventually find out about the Travis Scott uh, concert and the controversy behind it uh, through memes. I just started noticing all these Travis Scott memes on my on my meme pages on uh, social media, and I was like, "What are these referencing? What's happening?" And then I looked into it, and I was like, "Oh, that happened. Yeah, no, that that makes sense why people would meme it. Also, fucking horrible." <laughs> but. That's just, that's just kind of how uh, uh, some of these things can, can run, ri- run awry, right? Like, we don't realize gathering large groups of people who are all fucked up on drugs and all hyped up for one single individual to play their music, to play their shit as loud as humanly fucking possible, can lead to such an incident, right? Catastrophes, disasters, riots, if you will. It is the risk of the business, right? Not just having a bad show where no one shows up, but a good show where too many people show up and then it becomes bad for other reasons. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's all good. 
it's all good. You know, I'm certain Travis Scott learned his lesson. Uh, but if you do go to one of his shows, uh, let me know because I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you a life alert. Uh, I don't know if that that'll help in the situation, but you know, I, I just just trying to look out for you, Trey. Just trying to make sure you're good at concerts. <laughs> I can't. My concert um, going has been pretty limited ever since COVID started. Um, ever since. The last concert I actually went to, uh, I am about to go to a concert soon, um, on the 22nd, gonna go see Earl Sweatshirt, uh, hmm. Action Bronson, and, uh, for their, uh, NBA leather show, and there will not be any moshing at this show, because that's not what those types of shows are, it's gonna be very chill, laid back, just lyrical rap, spitting bars, vibing, getting lit, that's it's gonna his shows are totally opposite they're it's like listening to pretty much listening to poetry nice you know a laid-back show serves its purpose you know not every show demands a mosh pit i mean for certain people it's their jam and i get it it yeah, looks yeah, like a mosh fun pits time are, mosh pits are my jam too but like i'm at a point where i've been to so many mosh pits to the point where it's like I know what it, I, I, I know what's gonna happen. It's just like <laughs> I'm going to get all this energy out. I'm gonna be sore the next morning, um, but like right now, it's just like after, during COVID times. I, I don't think I really want to be swapping body fluids anymore with people like I used to. You don't <laughs> like the idea that you could weaken your immune system based off recreational drugs, then surround yourself with other sweaty acolytes of the same uh, uh, music and, you know, just crash into each other, uh, potentially injuring one another, and then in the next morning, uh, you feel sick and possibly vulnerable, like the human mortality has returned to your, both your psyche and your body in the worst possible ways. That, that doesn't sound fun to you anymore? I mean, I'll be honest, I, I, I've never been an avid concert I mean, goer. It's, 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 it is fun to me. It's just like, when you, it's more like when you spent like all your college career doing that, mm-hmm. a lot while seeing every single, at least most of the shows that you've always probably wanted to see when you were in high school, but you had to wait till college to like live out that high school fantasy. Yeah, I, like the year two thousand seventeen was like the official year where I lived out my official high school fantasies of shows I wanted to go to. And, um, pretty much it's just like, I've seen all the big ones that I wanted to see, at least, I mean, um, yeah, 2017, I saw Death Grips, saw Kid Cudi, saw MGMT, uh, saw Denzel Curry, I saw LCD Sound System, I saw, Hmm. let's see, who else did I see? Went to some, like, local metal shows. Um, I saw Horror. I saw XXXTentacion. I saw... Nice. I saw... Uh, no, Animal Collective. That was 2016. But still, it's like 2016 to 2017 were, like, the most heaviest times in my life where I saw a lot of, like, shows... And okay. um, people I just always wanted to see specific like new shows like within like the current music wave at that time and uh, saw a little pump <laughs> like I was like all right this this wave is starting to end 
But like, let me just see Lil Pump before his fame dies down. Do you do you remember like it it would have been my freshman year, your sophomore year, uh in Minneapolis, Lil Pump came out with that song Cold Like Minnesota. And no, that, that was that was that was Lil Yachty. Lil Yachty, oh fuck. I am that guy. Oh, all right. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, moral of the story is Lil Yachty's song, uh um, uh called like Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, that that became Minnesota. that became like trap house Minnesota anthem material. Like everyone would just be bouncing up and down yeah, to that. Pretty <laughs> much like that that was that that was the anthem for Minnesota at the time. I will honestly say it's probably still should be the anthem because like that's literally what Minnesota is. Cold as fuck, bro. Oh, like, for sure. Well, it, it's dude. February. People die in February in Minnesota if they're left out in in like, you know, the parking lot for 15 minutes. Like uh it's a it's a cold cold time, and if if you're in Minnesota right now, just stay warm. I'm, I don't mean to bash you, your state, your city, none of that. I hope you're doing well. I just hope you don't die of frostbite too. There's been so many times where that almost happened to me, bro. Oh man, I remember <sighs> those days. Dude, I would just try to like cross the street, right? I'm all layered up, and I'd be breathing through my, just my nostrils, and I realize, oh. I'm burning the inside of my nostrils just from pure cold air. It was just, ugh. It's painful. It's like, am I going to lose my Dude, nose? I'll be honest. Like, I did not think that the whole concept of, like, having icicle, like, nose hairs was a thing. <laughs> like, I always saw it, like, in, like, depicted through, like, cartoons like Tom and Jerry or Looney Tunes or some shit. But then I actually remember I was walking one day, and I was like, are my nose hairs freezing right now? <laughs> I thought this was only in cartoons. Is this real? Like, yeah, no, it, that was, it's real. Oh it can goodness. happen. I'll say this much. It, you know, it, it's real, and it's it's only real in more extreme environments. You know, and the more you go up north, especially if you have, like, a lot of humidity and, and it gets wintertime, yeah, no, it's, it's fucked up, uh, but it does happen. Anyway, I digress. As much as I want to talk about temperature and how fucking freezing it is this year, Let's let's go back. Let's go back to the concerts because I do have some questions for you. Like, what was your favorite like concert you went to? Like, from what you saw, from what you did, from the mosh pits you went into, what was your favorite? Like, what were the moments where you're just like, this kicks ass, or this uh, kicked my ass? <laughs> uh, hands down, Death Grips. Death Grips was like, Death Grips is like my favorite band of all time. Top mm. five favorite bands of all time is Death Grips. Um, Current 93, Coco Rosie, Animal Collective, and The Beatles. Beautiful. Then number six, then number six is Nirvana, uh, Suicide Boys, maybe, and then, um, Black Moth, Super Rainbow, of Montreal, Portugal, The Man. Uh, I know that was like 11, but I don't know. No, no, I'm you're still, good. I'm still, I'm, I'm still trying it's to It's not decipher. a top 10 list. <laughs> I'm still trying to decipher my top ten. Like top five, I got that down. It's just like, you know, from from Nirvana. It's all. I'm just still trying to figure out like the last four. Like, should they really be this? I mean, because like some of these bands I only like when I was in high school, but like I never listened to this band as much as any other band in my whole entire life. So like, I don't right. know, like I'm a, I'm a music addict. I listen. Oh wait, Gorillas, Gorillas. Like, yeah, yeah. Gorillas is good. Gorillas, Gorillas should be in there somewhere. That's like why it's like I keep forgetting. Like I have bands that like I'm in love with, and mm-hmm. bands that like 
I was in love with at a certain time period, but they were in very important time periods. Even if I'm not in love with them in the same way, I'm always going to know that they made me who I was today. That's how I feel about the gorillas. Because, like, gorillas, like, even though I don't listen to them as much as, like, I did when I first started listening to, like, well, they were my first introduction to music. Okay. So I kind of keep them in a very special place in my heart. And even though I have not listened to the latest album that's came out, it's just like, and some people can agree with me. It's just like, you kind of just have to be in the mood to listen to the gorillas. Cause like, for me, it's just like, they have so many different, uh, music styles because it's pretty much Damon Alburn from Blur, who's, uh, pretty much just collaborating with a bunch of different people. And whether it's rap, country, folk, uh, jazz, any any singer songwriters singer is like, it, I think I think that's what always kind of was like the weird thing about for me listening to Gorillaz was like it was so many different styles eclectic styles put together that like I didn't really know how to decipher the band like it's you can't really describe Gorillaz because like they're just so many things at once. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they're they're highly experimental. They cross genres all the fucking time, and it's great. Like I, I grew up listening to to Gorillas, especially in the early two thousands. I was just like, "What is this? This is so cool!" But like, I have no idea how to categorize it. Like, I, I saw the music videos when I was a kid, and I was like, "Is this a movie? Is this like a new animated cartoon show? Like, what's happening?" And it's just, it, it's it's still fun. Like, some of their the early 2000s stuff resonates me, with me more, right? Because I was, I was a kid, so I was just, like, easily exposed to it. Now, I still follow them. I still like them. Uh, they're, they're one of those bands I know I'll return to, where I'm not like, you know, stop making music. I'm like, no, make music, and I will get back to you later. Like, when I'm in the mood, when I got the vibe for Gorillaz, I want them to be there, and I want them to be just going crazy. And it seems like they've been doing that. In some ways... I'd say their marketing campaign works really well in the 21st century in the digital age, uh, right? Because, like, their, their whole spiel is with their characters is they're just animated cartoon characters. That is what the band is. And yeah, I, it, that's the thing about the gorillas. Is that, sorry to cut you off. But like, that's no, no, go for thing. it. I think it's literally the fact that, like, they were so ahead of their time. Like, even though it's just, like, Damon Alburn and um, Jamie Hewlett, Jamie Hewlett is the one who draws the characters and Damon <laughs> Alburn is the one who like makes the music and connects with the people. Yeah. It, so it's just pretty much them and anybody else who they collaborate closely with. And they were so ahead of their time. Like when they came, cause they came out with this, the gorillas in like the early two thousands. Like I want to say like 2003, like just like re- legitimately like probably like early two thousands, like right at the beginning of the 21st century. Right. Uh, they literally were the ones kind of making the precursor for like I guess internet music culture in my opinion because and I say that because like everything about them was just like very futuristic like if you look at all their music videos like whether it's like uh tomorrow comes today feel good ink it yeah. like all of these seems like uh like listening to like listening to their first two albums like in this day and age or maybe even their first three albums uh it's uh they all have a very specific depiction of what the future is going to be like and we're kind of here yeah so it's like (laughs) a lot of their earlier music really was kind of like 
like the because hmm. like my first album I ever listened to was called Demon Days. Yep. And like the more I listen to that album and like at this age and this at this stage in my life, I'm like this album makes much more sense than it did when I first listened to it. It's like hard, like kids with guns. Feel good ink like feel good ink for me just seems like it was a song about like over overindulgence like oversaturation of like I mean even if you watch the music video you can like it just seems like everyone's in a drunken drugged up stupor in like this big tall building that yep. like go goes past the skies and like that's what locate feels like it's like we all just want to feel good like we're so addicted and it's just like especially like with how the the world works today is like everything's a dopamine hit dopamine hit i just want to feel good make me feel good feel good feel good feel good oh it it's it's i mean it's incredible it's an incredible song and it works so well i mean even now in many ways feel good is like it, it, on some level, in my opinion, it might be like the pinnacle of like one of my favorite songs by them. And not my all-time favorite, but it's just like, it's one of those pillars where it's just like, this is Gorillaz. Like, if you hear this song, you know what Gorillaz is. You've seen the music video, you know what Gorillaz is. But then they also did like other stuff, um, the Plastic Beach, um, is it Stylo is one that I'll come back to every now and then. The music video for Stylo... I, I mean, there people have analyzed it, and they can probably tell a better story than I, but I just love how fucking weird it is. They're just fucking driving. They're just trying to get away from, like, you know, some sort of... Uh, uh, yeah. On the run. On the run. <laughs> and fucking, Coming on to the underrun. There's a... There's the a whatchamacallit? Uh, there's a bounty hunter after them, and it's Bruce Willis. It's just Bruce oh, yeah, Willis yeah, in a Mustang yeah, yeah. with a yeah, Magnum. so <laughs> random. I'm like, wait, what? Bruce Willis? Yeah, it's he's... like, again... The, the crossovers that they have in their music videos, their music in general, like, it's literally, like, I feel like Gorillaz is, like, a platform for just, you know, media at this point. Well, it's also a situation where it blurs between, you know, reality and fiction, right? Because, like, the characters you're following and the band, who are uh, represent, representing the band, are not the actual musician and animator, uh, but they are, like, you know, they're the head. They are basically it even though they're not flesh and bones they are the band like when we think of the band we think of noodle we think of captain murdoch you know those are uh, 2d those are like the guys those are the people who represent the band but they're not the actual like you know real people and that was just a, a, a play on the idea of how uh, celebrity and fandom and fandom of the modern age feels all kind of artificial you know it's scripted it's fake it is reality tv uh, so they just took that to its next extreme, you know, in a 2D fashion where it's cartoon characters who will never die, who will just keep on being them. And it's it's nice. It's interesting. Uh, and their music has always been highly experimental. Like, the, the concept by itself is good. But then when you have, like, you know, an animator, uh, when you have an artist in sync in that way, and they have a vision and they're just like, let's fucking do it, it, it resonates very well. Um, and there, a lot of their uh, messages within their songs, you know, have overtones about the environment. Uh, Plastic Beach is very heavy-handed with those sentiments, the idea of, like, you know, the pollution in the water, the idea of a beach is made of small fragments of plastic, which I believe is a real thing somewhere. Uh, but the po point is, 
it's very dense. It's very dense, and they have a lot to say, and they know how to say it in a small amount of time. Or they show it. They show it, and it's there for us to grab at if we want to. Or we can just enjoy the fandom. Uh, it works both ways as kind of a, a weird double-edged sword. Having yeah. said that, they really, really need to make a movie or a miniseries just for the characters. Because, like, oh, my God, it would be so I much agree. fun to watch. I agree. I remember, like, when I was younger, like, <laughs> I remember always, because, like, I always remember, and this, and holy shit, this was before you, I was, I had enough access to YouTube, because, like, the first time I ever, like, uh, watched a Gorillaz, uh, video, like, I was trying to, like, that's, like, the Gorillaz are the reason why I started using the internet, because I wanted to watch their music videos, and then that's how I discovered Google, and then that's how I discovered YouTube, was because of the Gorillaz. Like, they, they yep. just taught me the concept of, like, how to use a search engine. I'm like, find Gorilla's song, Feel Good, Inc. Uh, find Gorilla's music video for Feel Good, Inc. And that's how I started learning how to go through all these things. And it's just, like, something just led me to this place where it's like, wait a minute, they have more music videos other than Feel Good, Inc.? Yep. And, like, that, mo- that blew my mind at the time. But, uh you're not alone in that there is um it it was one of the first things i can remember as a youtube search um i if i remember correctly it's either me or my brother uh one of us what we did is like we had this little uh tape recorder and and we literally recorded feels good ink on the tape recorder because we were like we want to hear this all the time and it, you <laughs> yes, know, it, it was before that time period yeah you were just like it is before ipods and it was before like we didn't know how to burn a cd we were too young for that but we had a tape recorder so we're just like fuck it we're just gonna jimmy this together we're just gonna jerry-rig this thing <laughs> i used to do the same thing bro like i, I remember i had like i was able to record things off off my slide or flip phone so nice. it's like I, if I if I if I wanted to like like pretty much like the original voice memos and shit like that, but like I remember I was just like I want to hear this song as long as like all the time. I didn't have a iPod. I may have had a CD player, but like still I just was like I want to hear this specific song and like getting music invert like downloading music was much difficult back in that day or like much like lo- it took a long time to do. To, to do that shit there was no such thing as streaming at that time period so if you yeah. wanted to like hear something on repeat you just had to like put your phone up to like the radio or whatever record that thing it, like for me i even like try to make sure i had like this like calculated positioning i'm like if i position it like this it won't be too staticky or too um well i guess now that I'm older. I know I have better terms, but like clipping, like the right. cl- like, cause like for phones like that, like those weren't good qualities. But if you wanted the best quality of the sound, you it couldn't be too close, but it also couldn't be too far. It just had to be like right in that perfect spot. And I and I even was able to learn how to do that type of stuff and just be like, all right, this is the best way to like properly record this so it sounds somewhat relatively normal, and I can understand all the words. And I remember even listening to stuff, but also knowing that you had a few weird sounds in the background. And I remember, like, there's a song I I recorded by Soldier Boy. 
in Soldier Boy, early two thousands hit Soldier Boy, (laughs) dude. It wasn't even Crank Dad. It was like one of his other songs. I just wanted, I just want, I just wanted it on my phone. I just wanted to listen to it all the time. And I remember like there's like you can in in like and this is about my my razor my slide phone uh no no rumor I had a rumor and um I remember. My little sister had came in while I was recording the song, and I can just and like every time I listen to that song, I could just hear her coming in, like talking to me in her baby like toddler gibberish voice, <laughs> yes. and then and, and like and like I'm like shh, telling her to be quiet, and then she walks away because I'm like I'm trying to record something, yep. and like but like for whatever reason I didn't want to like re-record it. I was like I'm just gonna keep that in there because like I already puts because it's like at that time period it's just like. Like my concept of like how much effort I put into like recording something is very limited. So it's just like, well, I already I'm already three minutes into recording this. I'm not gonna get rid of that. I might as well just like deal with it. And right. Like, and so it's like it's so, and it's this weird thing where I'm having like when I I remember that memory. It's like wow. Like every day I was like I wanted to listen to that song. I will always have this like moment where like i'm recalling something from the past of me talking to like my little toddler sister and it's just it was like a precious moment even though it wasn't meant supposed to be there it was, it was an accident right, it was right unintentional but like back then it was something i was able to appreciate not even with the knowledge of appreciating it it was just more like <laughs> this is like when because it's like as a kid, like when I was younger, I just kind of accepted things for what they were at the time. It's just like as long as I had this, because it's just like technology was still. I wouldn't say it was. It was still at a certain space and time where we weren't actively using it the way that we are now, where like you could edit something like that quickly. It's just like no, it's just like you either got it or you don't, and if you got some mistakes in there, it's whatever. Right. Well, that was that was one of the weird things about growing up in the early 2000s is because you had access to some, you know, technology and you could record stuff, but you're still too young to like really learn a whole lot of it. So, you know, if, if what you can record and you're, you know, in, with the little toys that you got it for Christmas or whatever, that's just how you did it. Like I remember with the, the tape recorder, my brother and I had like we would record shit and we'd forget to get uh, uh, put a new tape in it. So we had those little mini cassette tapes. So we'd end up recording over um, tapes of like, you know, songs or something that we recorded before. And it became a situation where we'd like argue with each other. Like, oh, you did it. You, you, you know, you overwrit my recording. Now it's gone. Or only half of it's overwritten. And now it just, it, it's jaded. It no longer makes sense. It was just, it was a weird time. Like I remember recording just random nonsense because i was just a spaz and i realized i can just record my jokes i can just record my jokes and then record a clip from a movie so nothing makes sense but in my mind i was like this is hilarious everyone's gonna get this and it was just it it, it was fun but it was that organicness it was you know just you're, you're just a kid with a toy and you have no professional idea of, like, what recording in a studio is like or recording, uh, you know, from just your home laptop. You're not trying to be a pro about any of that. You're just like, I want to do fascinated. this. You're just fascinated at the fact that, like, you can record something from the present day and keep it instilled within, like, in time. Oh, yeah. Just on this device. I Like, at a certain point, that was very, I mean, like, not to say that, like, that wasn't new, but like for a kid, 
like that was just very strange and to even have the f- access to anything like that as a child was like very it, it was very unique it was just like it's something that i just marveled at because it's just like wow like i can literally just put this here and i'll record it and i can listen to it anywhere i go Yes. Like that that like at the, at at a point in time that was like that was amazing to me. That was fascinating. It didn't matter what it sounded like. Yeah, like you said it could have just been some random garble goop, but it was just <laughs> like the fact that it was possible, that was my form of entertainment. And probably yes. one of my first forms of like entertainment through like a, a electronic media aspect. If anything within the, one of the lowest versions of it. It, it became a situation, and, and on some level, I, I would argue, for me personally, like, you know, my, uh, my folks would drive around a lot, and my dad would constantly be playing NPR, so I'd hear, like, all the little, uh, um, they used to have a, a sitcom show, or not a sitcom show, but they used to have these little noir stories called Guy Noir, Private Eye, and they were always just, like, you know, old-timey um, uh, stories, all audio uh, all, all, all audio stories supposed to be comedic, funny sound effects in the background, and I would hear that, and I would just be like, oh, there's a dude, and his whole job is just to make funny sound effects. Like, that's all he does. And I was, as a kid, I was like, that's awesome. I want to do that. And then you have this, you have this recorder, you have this thing where you can just, you know, pick up the voices of any, of anything, and you just, I just ran with it. I would just be like, that's what I want to be. High energy, quick uh, comebacks and uh, uh, and you know witty com- uh, witty commentary, and then just like just random sound effects, and it was just it was just pure joy to have that ability. But yeah, like enjoying music, enjoying things through that, and then as things progressed, right in in the situation of streaming, in the situation of podcast, in the situation of like now anyone can you know have a professional audio setup. And things are just getting like just you know uh, uh, cheaper and easier and smaller and more compact to work with. You know you can probably do everything you need just on your phone now, and like that's crazy. But there was at a time right like when we as we were kids in the early two thousands uh, uh, with that mindset right, with just how we recorded things kind of quick and raw. Like that was an entire lifetime for people like our folks. Like you know my father, he was born in the nineteen forties, and so for him music. The concerts people went to, buying an album, like a physical album, was like a religion for them. It's just like, you know, they didn't have access to all the noise at once. They only had access to noise in their local areas and based on what they could hear, you know, just from uh, from the radios and the concerts they went to. So it, that was like it. And it took me a long time to recognize that. Like, I didn't go to concerts or have a fascination with concerts because I was like, why would I go there? I can just listen to the music here. And then I realized, oh, wait. Live performances are fucking awesome. All right, so we're back. We're doing stuff. Uh, yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> I realized I did not have my microphone plugged in. Um, it pro- my voice probably sounds much more clear because, like, I'm using a Yeti, and uh, Yeti the Yeti's pretty dope. You should, I'm, I'm, they should pay me to say that. <laughs> it, is, it is a situation. Get a Yeti. It is a situation where we are just, we're, we're going to uh, jimmy this together. We're just going to jerry-rig this thing, you know, duct tape and all showing. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. 
Uh, besides, it's I, been it's, it's it's been years, guys, since we did a pot like did a podcast together, and this is like a very unique way of doing podcasts. Because honestly, based off the last conversation we were having about like <laughs> being children recording things off of like. <laughs> songs this is kind of like another version of that like in the next 10 years me and lucas are gonna look back at this podcast like we really just like recorded this separately on garage band pieced our audios together to like sync in properly enough to like do a podcast oh yeah and, and then there's gonna be a technology that's gonna make it easier in the future but like until then this is all we got <laughs> yes and and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not looking to make anything pristine. I'm not looking for anything professional. I am an amateur working as an amateur, just shooting the shit with friends. Because I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to reflect and have some sort of level of understanding of just where people are in the universe. And I don't need that to be refined and pristine. I just need that to be raw. So. Exactly. That's what I've always been about. <laughs> like rawness. Like just show, show what I. Because my feelings are always going to be real, <laughs> but I need to show it. And if it gets better over time, well, cool. It'll be done even better. <laughs> I just know I need to show it. <laughs> yes. Like the Super Bowl halftime show was not that long ago. Um, at the filming of this um podcast episode for twenty twenty two, and all I can say. Is that when they is that when they were showing the um, halftime show in L.A. Right, they're showing a lot of L.A. culture. They are showing a lot of the rap culture. Snoop Dogg was the opening act. They had um, a couple other musicians who I fail to mention, except for Eminem. I know him, uh, but the point is like that was a scene, right? They're showing L.A. the L.A. music scene, and a lot of that is rap culture, right? And yep. Like I, I would over. I never even thought about it to be honest. Like the way that you just explained that, actually, it, until you just said that, I was like, "Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense." Right. That's why they probably did it that way. Right. But there was a time not too long ago where L.A. was not about the rap scene at all. Like the rap culture, rap music was not at the forefront of considered to be like, you know, not just Western uh, music, but you know, the music scene for the city of L.A. Uh, in California. Um, I know this because of just the conversations that occurred within my own family, uh, with my own dad after the, uh, uh, halftime show. Like my dad did not like the halftime show and it was, to him, it was completely foreign. It's just like, oh, this is, it doesn't work well in a, with a large stadium. How can people enjoy that music? And like, you have that many people in a stadium and it's like, no, it, it, it does work. Snoop Dogg definitely has massive, uh, massive fans that show up to his stadiums, right? Like, Eminem definitely, definitely has a sold out show when he plays his songs. If anything, if anything, Eminem definitely needed. To, let's just be real. If we're gonna talk about race, like <laughs> when it comes to rap culture and the general audience of white people throughout America who aren't ingrained in any aspect of African American culture, he's the crossover. He, he is. Like, he's the bridge. We as black people, well, most people as black people, even like very successful like rappers who were even before Eminem sees Eminem as like one of the tops because he is legitimately a very good rapper. Like despite what you think about Eminem, yeah, he definitely has questionable uh character traits, at least like from his past. Like honestly he kinda seems like a very normal dude in this day and age. But like yeah, yeah. <laughs> his past is something that like is o- always gonna overshadow his overshadow his career. 
But, like, Eminem is that crossover from white to black because, like, he made it... He was the person who kind of made, I would say, rap music a little bit more accessible. And him being... And also Dr. Dre, who was at the halftime show, he was he was, he was just playing a piano. Like, I didn't know he could play the piano. Yeah, but that like, was fun. That was he cool. Made, he made... <laughs> He made, like, a good choice in signing Eminem, and especially because, like, for Dr. Dre being, like, you know, the one who uh, curated, like, helped, like, start uh, NWA, which was, like, one of the first big-time gangster rap yep. groups for hip-hop music. Oh, yeah. Because hip-hop wasn't always gangster. It, it, like, that's the thing about hip-hop music, for better or for worse, that, like, it's categorized as, it's, like... It's, it's always seen as, like, thugs or gangsters in streets, where in reality, like, yes, that's an aspect of it, and not to agree with all aspects of gang culture, at a certain time period, it made sense for, like, that, for them to, like, make music like that, because, like, it was the truth of what was going on specifically, you know, during the 80s and stuff like that, or, like, the early 90s. Yep. So, it's like, and it was hard, like, all the things we see with, like, black culture and, like, the problems with uh racism like that was still going on it just wasn't being recorded the same way it was so like they have like impl- they have like an rap mu- like gangster music has like an importance but sadly the negative aspects overshadow the positive aspects same thing with punk music in my opinion it's kind of similar it's like this very overtly hyper aggressive animalistic type of style not to say animalistic in like a bad sense but like i do feel like as people like we do have like especially if you're younger like there is just this like animosity just to get this out and it's not always going to be proper but like it's real but as people get older hmm. people kind of start mellowing out in my opinion this is what i've seen with like a lot of rappers who come into like the rap game like very aggressive and then as they get older and they get more success they don't have that rage anymore same thing with Eminem like the thing about Eminem that was crazy is because like no one was hearing rap music done on both white and black side the way that Eminem was doing it he was talking about some trailer park gutter shit in his music bro like Eminem to this day is one of the most scariest rappers I've ever heard it like like if you listen to his earlier shit like well specifically like Marshall Mathers LP in um in the Slim Shady LP mm-hmm. and even the Slim Shady EP like he because like a lot of that stuff was horrorcore rap music which is it actually is its own genre like not just talking about like gun violence and like killing people with guns but like actually like straight up murdering and like (laughs) serial killer type of stuff like Eminem was an underground hip-hop artist who made a wave talking about very fucked up subject matters yep and he is now one of the biggest artists of all time throughout the world well that was and so Hmm. well that was what you're gonna say oh i was just gonna say like that was that was one of the that's definitely one of the appeals with Eminem the idea that he's this dark gritty rapper uh, with his commentary, uh, but at, but at the same time, you know, it, it's a situation where it's like, oh, he puts in a lot of work. Like supposedly, as a as a kid when he was when he was uh, first starting out, you know, this is his trailer park kid is reading the dictionary, uh, trying to expand his vocab in order to like you know work on his on his poetry, work on his rap game. Yeah, like he was going with that, right? But if you 
went back in time, right? You're back in, like, the 90s. And you see a young Eminem, pre-Eminem, uh, uh, pre right? And you just see this little white kid reading the dictionary in a, in a, a, a trailer park. You'd never be like, oh, yeah, he's going to become a professional rapper and make millions doing that. It's, 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 it's a long shot. Like, for, his, for him to do what he did, you know, crazy for the time. But now it's a situation from people like, wait a minute. You know, music is versatile and can exist in all shapes and forms. And, like, anyone can become a great artist uh, despite their background, despite where they came from. Eminem proved that. The rap game proved that. NWA definitely proved that. It, it was a situation, right, of, like, the cultures and parallels coming together on some level, right? And having yeah, and ha- especially like the culture like on the mainstream level and then culture on like very niche levels like I think because hip hop was definitely more of a niche thing oh yeah and even though and even though it can still be seen as a niche thing probably more on just more cultural racial scales it is definitely the dominant now because like the, I'm sorry hmm. like the fact that I can clearly hear rock music starting to integrate itself with rap music in order yep. to survive. Yes. Like, and I like rap, I like rock music, but like, there is something about like, a beat that I think connects with people more, specifically black people, but like, I'll be honest, like, like even, like, because here's the thing, like, even white, like, because when I go to most uh, rap shows, like when I was, especially when I was in Minneapolis, mm. I primarily only saw white people there. It was like it was like in like the performer is black, most of the group is black, but all of the people there who I'm moshing with are white, and they look like rock kids who probably would have gone hard at like a Limp Biscuit show or well, technically even that time I guess like Limp Biscuit is more like new metal, so it's like yeah. <laughs> rock and rap converging, but like that was like the earlier stages where it's like it was rock music being influenced by rap music, where it's like now rap music has become more influenced by rock music, but there's a difference because, like, I think because rap music has always been this very, like, this this kind of, like, bastardized child that, like, people don't want to fully acknowledge that they like all the time, <laughs> but, like, they have to admit that, like, it got some bangers, and the only people who don't like them are, like, old white like conservative people or some shit like that, it is. And it's just, it's just like something. I don't know. I don't know. It's just something about beats. I think it's just very tribal. I think a beat, in my opinion, like, cause honestly, like, even if I listen to like a artist who has a lot of rock influence, but they still incorporate rap music, like, there's just something about it, like about a beat that just kind of holds everything together. Cause like, I think the, the bass drum, which you can say like in pure rock music is like the equivalent to like a beat, but like it's still, it's still going off the riffs where like, I think riff music and how people listen to like, you know, like, cause I've been trying to like listen to more heavy metal and like um, rock as of late and get, and understand it. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, okay, so the way that people think, like, talk about rock music is usually based off, like, it's not always about the lyrics sometimes. I mean, it is, but, like, it's more about, like, you know, people always tell me, like, do you like that bass line or that riff? And I'm like, oh, okay. So they care more about the actual production, and the, the lyrics are kind of secondary or kind of, like, yeah. it just depends on what the band is, where it's, like, with rap music, it's the opposite, where it's, like, you know, I mean, 
it, it still is about the production and the beats, but like there's more focus on like the lyrics. So I think that's like once you figure out a way to converge like the the production and the lyrics together where they're both equally are appreciated, then that's then that's like when you have like a good like cohesion because I do feel like there's a reason why people have always been trying to combine rock music and rap music together because like they're they're like at opposite parallels but they still can work together and even though like it's been done in the past like I feel like the more people do it the better they're getting at like combining them perfectly together. Well, that's the because like a lot of people rhyme in rock music anyway, so like oh, yeah, yeah. rock music is somewhat like rap music. Like people still have that tendency to want to rhyme words together, but like you know with rap, it's more focused on rhymes, or at least it's more focused on the cadence of like how certain words can connect with each other, which kind of is its own instrument in a certain degree. And then rock music just kind of creates a better atmosphere because like when you think about rap music it like beats are pretty much things that you make on the computer yeah whereas like uh rock music usually is like it's actually pure live instruments yes it's instrument because instrumental you know yeah it's live performances but there's but you you pointed out that there's a, a a an overlap and there's even an audience for said overlap like what we were talking about earlier with gorillas and the song feels good right I mean, it, it literally is a hybrid between uh, rap and just, you know, guitar beats and whatnot. Like, you have both traditional band and you have rap culture, you know, being submerged in all sorts of ways. But, like, it just, there's a demand for it. And it's also a situation with, like, uh, um, some of the subject matters, both parallel. Like, there was a time, right, where rock and roll was, like, the rebellious scene, where, right, if you're playing rock and roll, it's not the American scene. Not until, like, the, you know, after the 1950s, 1960s, 1960s, after the 1960s, that's probably when you get, like, uh, more uh, appreciation for rock and roll, right, with Jimi Hendrix, uh, with the Beatles, with the um, Rolling Stones, Johnny Cash, all that. Like, there's, well, Johnny Cash isn't exactly rock and roll, but, eh, you get my point. Yeah. But there's... I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely, I would say, like, kind of the... Because I was talking about Johnny Cash the other day with, like, my friend who was really, in, who's really into rock music. Uh, he de- Like, he's more country, but, like, he is, like, kind of the pinnacle of country. Yes, yes. And even I can see... Like, even though I don't listen to Johnny Cash, I can feel that just looking off of his album covers and his influence. Like, his, like he has a presence. Like, he made a, a statement that, like, will live on forever, so I can recognize that and respect it. He, he made a presence, and if you listen to a lot of his songs, like, it, it's a situation where he's, like, he's talking about the everyday man. He's talking about his sorrows. You know, he's like, I'm fucked up, and he would explain that. Like, you know, I got a drug problem. Other people got drug problems. Like, he would, yeah, he would do the folk, uh, he would do the folk thing really well. But it's a situation where, like, what he's talking about with poverty, drugs, uh, abuse, you know, things like that, that's what led Johnny Cash to write his music the way he did. And a lot of rap music, right, talks about poverty, drugs, abuse. So there's there's these parallels with subject matters between folk, rock and roll, and rap music uh, that exist, and they're quite American in their narratives, right? Like, they're not... They're, none of these are un-American. None of these are away from the culture. They are very much the culture. Definitely different formats in different pacings, right? Definitely with the beats. Uh, uh, but because their subject matter 
involves the same macroverse. You know, the idea of them uh, becoming a hybrid, right? Someone using a guitar solo in a rap song doesn't sound foreign. You know, you might have to be pull it off. You might need skill. You might need to, like, really uh, execute it well. But it is possible. It is possible because we're talking about the same things, more or less, in many different forms, just over, you know, different uh, eras in what we call the American experiment. So... Yeah, I totally agree. Like, honestly, the way that you just kind of said everything was absolutely perfect. Because it's just like, because again, like for me, like, especially as a black person growing up, like, because as a black person, you're always like expected to like think in a very particular way. And, you know, most African-Americans, like, especially my family members, I know like, you know, most of them don't really always have the opportunities to see different sides of life whereas like I kind of did and I kind of had the realization realizing that like low income higher income like everyone really is kind of the same mm-hmm. and this translates in a lot of other different things it's like so like if like because for example like and this is like what I tried my best to do is like try to understand you know, the other side, specifically if it's the side that, like, I don't agree on, like, I have to understand, like, why are you there? Yeah. The same way you probably are trying to understand why am I here. So it's like, I remember, like, the first time I, like, listened to, like, a country album willingly just because I'm like, you know what? Just do it, Trey. <laughs> like, if I'm going to be a person that, like, says that I listen to everything, I got to be that person that says I listen to everything. And so I listened to a Florida Georgia line album mm. and I was like, this is actually pretty nice. I kind of vibe with it. Yeah. I'm pro- I probably won't relate with any, but I probably won't get along overtly with people who are in this culture, but like, this is dope. And I actually heard a song where they use some trap 808 beats. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, even country music is kind of like trying to like, yeah, we could do a little hip hop, you know, it's, it's, it's not overt, but like, you know, we'll put a little bit in there. So it's just like, the, the, it's people are willing to like, even if they're on the extreme, they still are willing to like experiment or at least try to like entertain the option of like, eh, we can incorporate maybe a little bit of this type of stuff in here and see what it does. And it's not that bad. And it's, it should, it should be that way. You know, like, we, we should not be zealots with our music, where it's like, you know, rock and roll has to be rock and roll, rap has to be rap, folk has to be folk, you know, it, it, it's, you know, jazz has to be jazz. It's like, no, 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 no. There's, there's yeah. ways to integrate all these. It's a challenge, right? It's tough, because it's like, you know, it's it, for, on some level, for, for some parts of uh, the American era, it's never been done before, but that doesn't stop people. You know, it's just a question of, like, how you work with it, how you jimmy it together, because it is, it's 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 there. You know, it's a situation like uh, in, in the nineteen sixties. Jimi Hendrix, um, I want uh, that was it. Uh, Summer of Love. I can't remember exactly. It may have been Woodstock, but the point is, he played the national anthem on a guitar. Yeah, yeah, Woodstock. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. But yeah, like he he plays guitar, the national anthem. I mean, pretty much the same thing. Summer of Love, Woodstock. That was literally in that de- decade. But right. Sorry. Right. But 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 he he it's a it's a guitar solo it's a guitar solo and it's the you know it 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 just sounds like the national anthem but during that time period in the nineteen sixties people didn't do that they weren't like oh we're gonna take you know the most patriotic song possible for our nation and we're just going to make it a new guitar solo like people didn't do that 
or if they did do it, you know, they weren't seen, they weren't celebritized, they weren't made into like a, a famous figure. But he did it, and people were like, "Yes, this is it. We get to take whatever our history is, whatever our our old ways are, and we get to modernize them and make them work for us." Which is quintessentially the most American thing you can possibly do, because <laughs> the whole point. Yeah. Even with the whole point of the Constitution is like you take like like we're, it's designed for us to update and modernize for the living. Uh, I believe it was uh, um, um, Thomas Jefferson, not the not the best figure in the mo- in the modern sense, but he did have one interesting line, which is the dead shall not rule the living. And the whole point of that statement is the contract, which is the con- the American Constitution, is only real if it works for each generation. And for it to work for each generation, each generation has to be able to modernize it, has to have the opportunity to discuss how to amend the Constitution for the modern era. Because if it does not reflect the modern era, then it's a dead contract. It does not work for the modern era. It becomes antiquated and obsolete. And a dead contract is not a contract that the living can abide by, or abide by and prosper, right? Like, if, if we were all trying to live like we were in the 17th century, we'd realize it's fucking disgusting. No one bathed back then. There was mercury poisoning in most of the medicine. You know, like, we, we've modernized from there. We've taken what we had, and we made it work for us. Music is the same thing, is the same way. Like, at best, America is a guitar solo, especially in the form of, national, of the national anthem played by Jimi Hendrix. It's like, that, that's, that's, a versatile, that's the versatileness of the, of the music scene, of the American music scene and why people need to take note with that. You know, it's a situation where if you're not cross, crossing uh, genres, making a hybrid music, then if you're not experimenting on that level, right, you're, you're not pushing it into the future. You're not making it your own. That, that's why the Gorillas work so well. That's why, for me, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers work so well, because they're just crazy. They're crazy, but they're fun. And there's a method to the madness. And just being able to see more of that. And I... And, I, I would reckon you see the same thing with SoundCloud rappers, right? Even with mumble rap, right? <laughs> there, there's, there's people who want to experiment in that way. Whether it's good or bad, you know, taste is subjective. But it is there, and it's for everyone to play with. And people should be playing with it yeah. all the fucking I time. I love it. Because <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love it. Like, I, that, like, for me, like, when it comes to, like, CK Pits and what I do, I just incorporate everything that I like throughout every phase of music as like I continue, especially in this stage of my life where I'm young enough to have the passion to do it. Yes. Well that like I call I literally called myself Chinese kids playing in the snow and everything I do is incorporating all these different music styles within a rap formation like format basis. And I'm talking about pagan occultic shit in ex- existentialism, like who do- like that's n- something that's never been done before, and I don't think anyone can ever really think of like. But because I grew up watching like very weird horror movies <laughs> and have a fascination with the with the with cults and the occult and like very weird arcane subject matters, right? But I also grew up Christian. I combine all those things together in rap music, 
And I also just take the fact that, like, well, we also, as people, are very ridiculous, so I'm not taking myself that serious, so I'm going to call myself Chinese kids playing in the snow. (laughs) But then I'll just abbreviate it to just CK Pitts, because I know motherfuckers might be offended by that. So, like, there we go. (laughs) So that's literally who I am. I'm I'm, I'm very pro-Chinese kids playing in the snow. Playing in the snow is fun, and I believe Chinese kids should have equal opportunity in playing in the snow as much as any other kid, you know, as long as they don't die of frostbite. Again, shout out to Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's the scene. Like, that, like that's, that's the scene. That's what you enjoy from the scene, right? Like, you have something to say in a specific way you want to do it, and it's the idea, like, this is your music. This is how you make it. That's the, the itch you're trying to scratch, right? The, the tune you're trying to hear. Like, there, there's the experiment. You're putting it together. And, it, you know, it, it, like, how people interpret it, you know, is always going to be reactionary, right? Whether it's positive or negative, I cannot say. But the idea is that you don't have to apologize for just making music, right? Like, because you're just doing what works for you. Like, what you want to hear. What you want to see, you know? And you throw it out there. You see what the reaction is. But as long as there's motion with it, right? Like the idea that there's something engaging, right? Because most of the music we've been talking about is something that's engaging, right? Like how you can actually uh, describe it, feel for it, how it's nostalgic, how it's not, how it's brand new, how it's cutting edge, how it's old-fashioned. Like it's the idea that you can engage with it. And if you don't have that opportunity, if you just decide, you know, music is music, sound is sound, and it's never going to be, and you're never going to mess with it, and, you know, you're compartmentalizing it, right? Like, I, I, I envy, I envy uh, kids nowadays who would just grab a recorder, right, their iPhone, and start just digitally recording just nonsense on there. Because, like, what crazy tools they have access to and how far they could even take it, right? Like, what we were doing with CD players and uh, uh, tape recorders they could be doing they could be doing with their iPhones nowadays and I have no idea what that looks like will there be broken technology and cracked iPhone screens from just toddlers playing with them? Absolutely. however there's going to be something raw there there's going to be something fun and it's just it's those those tiny little moments you know like just being able to capture them and record them even if the sound quality is completely terrible as this podcast episode might be like it's just fun. It's fun to see more of. And it just that's the rewarding we have to do for that type of creativity, right? Just giving people the chance to play, uh, even if it doesn't lead to anything, as long as there's something uh, fun with it. There's got to be less controversy and just more of uh, opportunity. Yep. <laughs> You're exactly right about that, bro. Is there, is there, are there any bases you want to cover? Is there anything like we haven't really hit the nail on the head or is there anything like you've been yearning to talk about? Cause I know I've been talking your off. <laughs> I, I do feel like, especially in the midst of COVID, hmm. I think it's time to reevaluate like what it really means to be a person or really means to be a human. Oh, because 100%. Like, lately I've been feeling more alive by the simple things. Like today, like I didn't do shit today, but like what I did today was like, I literally was just, the fact that I was like in like my since my parents are in uh, the Congo, mm-hmm. or I mean not the Congo, um the Dominican Republic, right. it was just me, my siblings, and my grandma and my dog, and like 
since like the main core foundation of like my family structure aren't here, it's just like it's my grandma, it's my younger siblings who are of a different different generation. It's just like all these different generations together, without like the. I guess my, hmm. my parents. I don't think my parents are millennials. I guess they're like. They're not boomers, but like, what do you say? Gen like X. anyone who bo- who's Gen X is like okay, so they're because there's, there's the baby yeah. boomers, and I think there's Gen X, which is like you know sixties and eighties. Uh, then you get is it uh, uh, millennials, which are like I guess after the eighties, and then you get Gen Z, which is technically our generation. It gets all very convoluted, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just like every it's like every, it's like nothing but like anything other than like. Uh, Gen Xers or something and it's just like wow I'm really enjoying myself just like shooting the shit with my siblings and my grandma like we just got Chick-fil-A and we're just all (laughs) just like standing around in the kitchen and just like laughing at our dogs like reactions to stuff because he's a dog and it's just like and look at him just eat that food and the <laughs> like, dog probably wants to eat the man <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's just like these simple things like they mean so much more than me than like trying to be like this big time star that like you know the media always tries to push at you and I'm like dude these are the like having like these like n- like nonsensical conversations with my family members yes like in the house even though if they're only just for like 30 minutes or 20 minutes they mean much more than me than like trying to make it big in hollywood and i'm like and it's just like i think my humanness is just trying to tell me like this is actually what really matters it doesn't mean you don't have to not try to get those things because like those are fun too but like they're just at a different stage but like overall it's just like everything in life like it's precious and i think that's like what we're losing it's like i think people need to understand like what really is precious to you and like what really matters because like it's because like we are just like a blip in the human existence along with other people who are blips in human existence and that's all it's ever been (laughs) so this whole mentality of thinking that like we're gonna like live on forever which we can but like not in the way that we think it's just gonna be the through perceptions of other people like we have to curate that within our little time span so it's like it's really important like if, if you know you have a short life or at least like what you consider a short life or just a life that like has its like its expiration date. What are you gonna do in that short life, and how are you gonna make this life matter? Not for the sake of yourself, because when you're gone, it doesn't matter for the sake of yourself anymore, because you don't exist anymore. But for people in the future, how are you helping people in the future try to like progress through the same thing that you're going through, but through their time period, even though it's totally different than yours, you're still going about things in a calculated way that like are similar. Human beings are very habitual, and we're always going to keep doing habitual things. Yes, it can come in different forms and be totally alien, but we're still going to eat, we're still going to shit, we're still going to puke, fall in love, have a heart broken, and experience disaster, and try to figure out like what the fuck it was all meant for. Thank you so much for this opportunity. No problem, bro. For you know, having your thoughts, the way you want to think about them, the way you want to say about them, because this has versatility to it. This has... Uh, a, a certain 
you know, push and pull that I enjoy. In the sense that we uh, just kind of go fucking batshit. And there's not enough of that. And I enjoy the spaces where people can just have that level of freedom, right? Uh, consequences of inconsequences of just wanting to say what you want to say. So, I appreciate you, Trey. I appreciate your conversation, your contribution, your artistic vision. And I want to hear a lot more. And I expect, you know, I'll be, I'll be hitting you up when you're free. And we can talk more about whatever you desire and whatever is happening in the macroverse that we call, you know, uh, reality. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Dude, Lucas, I appreciate, like, ever since the day I met you, bro, I've always appreciated you. Like, you are one of the only human beings in this whole entire planet where I feel like I could always have a good, genuine conversation where I don't really have to worry about anything being tensioned. Like, yeah, we can still have disagreements, but I don't. I feel like the disagreements are more like, ooh, a disagreement, this is fun. Yes. Because it's just like, it's it's like we relate with each other that we don't need to acknowledge it. It's just like, we really are just both people who just want to understand reality and its purest. And I think that's something that, like, I've always wanted, wanted in the world because, like, everyone in the world, I feel like, is always trying to... We're trying to get to a goal. And, like, even me and you, we're trying to get to a goal. But most people are getting to goals in, like, ways where they're trying to uphold an image of some sort just to keep their status quo in check. Which makes sense. Like, everyone... I do feel like we're... I feel like everyone does that to a certain degree. But it it, kind of lose Like, we kind of lose substance in, like, what really the human experience is about. And I do feel like... People like you and me probably, like, we're just people who just are trying to observe and talk about why we are doing these things for what, like, if anything, we're, like, we're continuing the, the consistent philosophy talks that, like, all philosophers of any day and age have, like, talked about. And it, it just, it just it. feels, it's just like, yeah. We, we move forward with it. And, you know, we, we, we just kind of, we, we play off one another. And we figure out, okay, like, just what is the other person thinking about? Because that, like, you know, that just creativity of another mind, just being able to wander, leads to interesting places. And I do appreciate you. I appreciate what you've said. It's, it's been real. It's been fun, dude. It's been very much fun. And I, I, I plan to have much more going on. Any last words? Any last things you just want to uh, uh, throw out there? Uh, catchphrases, if you will. <laughs> uh, in the words of Gunna, huh. keep pushing P. Keep cu- pushing P. I like that statement. I'm going to have to start using that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Trey, for being here. This is Decaf Recapped, and we'll be back. Thank you, Lucas, for having me. Decaf Recapped. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, technically, third uh, podcast I've been on when it comes to Decaf Recapped. Uh it's been three, four years since the last time I think we did this, and it's been a minute. <laughs> honestly, I feel like I feel like we have not skipped a beat. Like I feel like I'm like revisiting like our college experience like properly right now, and it it feels amazing. And it doesn't matter where I'm at in the world; it's just like that energy is like it's just good to know that the energy that we started when we first met each other, is still able to, like, keep strong. It's still there. And yeah. I want to continue it. <laughs> uh, I want to keep continuing it. I agree. I agree. Hopeful-heartedly. All right? 
Take care out there, people. Take care, guys, and keep rocking in the free world.